Everything under your roof is important, so make sure your roof is up to the job. For over 20 years, SureTop Roofing has been covering triangle homes and businesses. SureTop Roofing is certified with all of the major shingle manufacturers, providing a 50-year non-prorated warranty. SureTop Roofing has estimators, project managers, and design consultants on staff, guaranteeing superior service. Visit SureTopRoofing.com. SureTop Roofing has you covered. Welcome to the Carolina Contractor Show with your host, Donnie Blanchard. Brought to you in part by GAF, the world's largest roofing manufacturer. We protect what matters most. Big Blue Restoration, the number one choice in water damage restoration. And Mid-Atlantic Roofing Supply in Raleigh, a roofing supplier with a different approach. And good afternoon and welcome to the Carolina Contractor Show. My name is Eric Smith and across from me, six feet away, minimum, Mr. <laughs> Donnie Blanchard of SureTop Roofing. How are you doing, Donnie? Uh, what was the question? The question was, how are oh, you doing? I know, I'm teasing. I was pretending to be a politician right there. Well, if you want to learn more about this show, it has nothing to do with politics, but it has a lot to do with your house. Go to the website, thecarolinacontractor.com. We've got all the information there, including past shows you can download. You can also find links to the Facebook page, also the YouTube page, and also the big hit questions that listeners send to us via the website. It's called Ask the Contractor. There's a button right there on the website, and you click on that, submit your name and your question about your house. It does not have to be about your roof, though, even though SureTop Roofing is Donnie's wheelhouse. It can be the inside, the outside, around your house, under it, on top of it. But again, go to thecarolinacontractor.com to find the information for the show. Now, today's show, we have a special guest on the phone. And Donnie, you want to introduce him? I do. I want to start out by saying this: how we got on this topic. And uh, we got several questions about air conditioning in the last few weeks. And rather than an- answer each question specifically, I tailored a topic around basically electric versus gas in terms of your HVAC. We did a similar program to this last year, and one thing I wanted to add this year is gas versus electric appliances. So I've worked with this gentleman for years, and he's done all my my work personally. He's also handled some things with my new construction in terms of recommendations for kitchen appliances and things on new builds, but we've developed a relationship over the years, and he just has my total trust. And uh, after about five minutes of picking his brain for gas versus electric appliances, I immediately realized that this was totally worthy of its own show. So today we have Brandon Porterfield. He's the owner of The Appliance Doctor. And Brandon, we just want to thank you so much for giving us your time during the day. I know you're busy, but thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate you having me. One thing I want to say about Brandon that I was most impressed by is, number one, how young he is and how knowledgeable he is at the same time. He's a second-generation appliance repair tech. And uh, when he came out to diagnose some of the problems we had, I don't know, five or six years ago, he just walked out the door. My mind was blown. Uh, number one, it was very affordable to do what he did for me, and he extended the life of my appliances. But just the amount of detail that he explained and went into the troubleshooting process just left me uh, just left me blown away. So really impressed. And, and uh, like I said, we thank you for coming on the show today. The reason I, I justified this making a good show is we are a big proponent of the more insulation you have in the house, just how much you should have in the wall, ceiling, underneath, and, uh, of course, your HVAC design follows that and just how you can save money. And I don't think people give this enough thought, but your appliances and how often you turn over those appliances is is a number that can be measured in thousands. And uh, I thought Brandon would be 
good to talk to our listener base about some of the things that, that you can do there in your house by yourself without calling him out. But, um, Brandon, what would you say the biggest thing with appliance evaluation? How should someone go into their house and, and look at what they have and evaluate when it's time for a new appliance or uh, whether that appliance can be serviced? My view may be a little different than some others. I mean, I know the, the world view is find these bells and whistles and beautiful machines that sing songs to you and, and pick that <laughs> item because it looks good and sounds good. I, the, I think that what people really want and need, though, is something that works well. I know efficiencies these days are, are more important than what they seem to have been in the past. You know, you want to conserve water, you want to conserve energy, and the new machines do that. So they, they are uh, a less durable machine compared to what you would have had in the past, something that's not going to be built with the same metals and you know, won't use the same energy. Uh, they won't last you 25 years like they used to, but they certainly are more efficient. Um, you're going to have something that's going to use a half a tub of water versus a full tub of water on a washing machine to do a wash and a rinse. Uh, on a dryer, you're going to cut the pounds back because of new sensors and electronics that help to mitigate any of those excessive times uh, and excessive heat that you'd have in old school machines. Even refrigerators and things are differently insulated. They're not quite what they used to be. I don't think they lose as much cool uh, or as much heat uh, exchange as what you would have had in the old stuff. And the sensors do help to monitor things better to where you'd have the old school mechanical thermostats and things that would click on and off. But the, the variation of the offset might be enough that you use the machine an extra five hours during the day. Whereas if you've got a variable speed compressor and extra sensors and things in a new refrigerator, the system shuts down more often than not, and you're saving a ton of money. Over a course of a year, you probably wouldn't see that you're, you're going to gain enough money to go buy a new boat in a month's time. But you know, <laughs> at the end of the year, if you save 20 30 bucks in a year on a refrigerator, and then you collectively add that to the other appliances mm-hmm. in the home, you've surely saved hundreds to thousands. Um, the same with HVAC and anything else that, that you relate to that kind of appliance thing. Uh, the bigger the coils, the you know the slower the fans or, or variable speed fans and things they have on these uh, units. It helps for airflow. It helps for uh, run times. It helps for or all these different things that certainly do save us energy and saving cost. I think the big issue really though is they're more disposable now than they ever were. So that's why I say my my view is it's not skewed. It's just kind of teetering between keep the old stuff replace it with something new is it better is it not the new stuff is more efficient absolutely i'm with you on the reliability versus the efficiency thing and uh the efficiency is great but if you've got three kids and a washing machine down then the reliability all of a sudden gains uh, a lot of popularity there so exactly. and that's a good good point too if you've got 10 people in the household and you're using a new machine i'm going to be honest with you you might get three to six years out of some of these machines uh, and if you had the old school product that you had 20, 30 years ago that's going to last you 20 or 30 years, you nearly couldn't kill these things. I mean, they were right. nearly bulletproof. What's your take on a gas appliance versus an electric? Uh, so it'll go both ways as well. So talking to the customer over the 20 years of me doing this thing, I, I've just kind of wanted to know myself because when I go to the next customer, they're going to ask those questions just like you have, and I'd like to give them the best information I possibly can. So the service tech, I see the inside of it, and based on the internal um, it is easier to repair a gas appliance and usually cheaper. Hmm. Uh, as far as the electrics, you've got a lot more controls, you've got a lot more heaters, elements, switches, wires, all these other things that, that are prone to break and break down, especially with heat and, uh, and with misuse, you know, depending on who's using it kind of thing. Uh, the cost used to be that the gas 
was a little bit more expensive in the upper lines or in the better products or better brands kind of thing. Uh, but we see now, really, the price is pretty similar. So it's not really cost of purchase up front that causes an issue. It's usually uh, savings come from gas being a little bit cheaper. Uh, mm-hmm. You do heat up faster. So you've got an immediate heat on gas. So, you know, the same night. It's up to 250, 350 degrees, whatever you're cooking at. And then you're going to maintain that temperature better depending on the the unit. Old school units tend to release heat a little faster. The new school units seem to be more efficient, hold the temperature better. Gas, like I said, it gets there faster. doesn't take as long as it would for a heating element on an electric system to have to run and draw that that current and then cost you that extra uh, energy bill because of the long run time. They don't seem to be also as efficient in cooking as far as electric versus gas. The electric doesn't seem to be as much of an even heat. Um, I agree. I'm, I'm talking cooking products now. So there are other gas products, you know, like your dryer and things like that. But as far as cooking products, it's not as much of an even heat in electric as it is in gas. So most of your cooks or, or chefs or anybody who's doing uh professional cooking is usually going to go with gas. It also doesn't limit them to what type of pots and pans they can use. If you're on a smooth top core or smooth top uh, glass surface, it's got to be a flat bottom cooking utensil. Right. If you're on a, a gas unit, you have those grates where you can actually choose whatever you want. And a lot of times in professional cooking, it's not going to be your basic flat top stuff that you buy at Walmart. And this is the Carolina Contractor Show. We're talking with Brandon Porterfield, also known as the Appliance Doctor. And right there, does show the examples that we, we kind of think gas and electric are the same, but you as a person who's looking at appliances definitely want to consider, and especially if you have a gas hookup already to your house, a lot of people have those and don't take advantage of them. But Brandon, I want to slightly change subjects, and if we can kind of rapid fire, go through basic appliances in your house and things people can do to lengthen the life. So let's start with the clothes washer. What's a couple things people can do real quick to lengthen the life of a clothes washer? This is probably the most common question we get, and this is probably the most helpful thing I can give anybody, honestly. Clothes washers, no overloading would be the first thing I'd say. Don't don't put anything more than half to three-quarter of the tub capacity because what happens is the clothes won't move, for one. If they don't have room to move and enough water to move the clothes, you're not going to wash the clothes. So when we're talking efficiency, yeah, water and energy conservation is great. But if you got to wash it twice, it makes no sense. Right. Uh, and then, two, on the overloading portion, you don't want to tear the machine up. If the machine's not as durable as it used to be, and even if it was, you want it to last as long as possible, don't put too much in. They, get, they can only handle so much. Uh, detergents don't make a huge difference. I do think that powders stick to the inner walls a little more so you have a little more soap scum. Liquids seem to dissipate a little bit better. Pods are okay. I mean, I just don't know that you're getting all that you need for your load size. Um, and you can't proportion that or portion that the way that you really need to. Let's move to its neighbor, the dryer. Dryer would be the biggest culprit for, for needing service and taking care of the most. So, again, don't overload. Wear a belt out. Wear a tub out. Wear a motor out if you put too much in there. Uh, but keeping the dryer clean, making sure the lint screens are clean, making sure the machine is drying fast enough. If you find that your times have gone from 60 minutes for a load of power and now you're spending two hours on a load of towels, you've got an issue. We're talking fire hazard issues. So this thing needs to be cleaned out, needs to be serviced. And most likely what happened was the ventilation to the outside of the home got clogged. You need to keep that clean so the machine can breathe and stay cool um, and keep these fire hazards down. So it's usually a yearly maintenance thing that needs to be in there, one to two years for the dryer, but the ventilation needs to be scrubbed out at least once a year. 
Um, those are things we teach customers how to do. You know, Lowe's carries a good kit for brushing out those vents with your drill. We can do it professionally just to scope that thing out a little better and make sure there's no lint in there for the fire hazard. Keep that back up from happening. Keep the dryer ventilating the moisture and the heat out well. Mm-hmm. Uh, best thing you could ever do for a dryer. Hey, moving into the kitchen, as far as appliances there, like oven, dishwasher, and uh, your cooktop, what would you recommend as a whole for the kitchen? So oven and cooktop are pretty simple. There's really not a lot that you can do for them except to keep them clean. Uh, grease fires are even more predominant than uh, the dryer fires. You know, I think I read something like 690000 a year for grease fires in the home from the soap. Mm. So it, it clean the grease off, make sure there's nothing on if it's gas, make sure there's no wire bristles or anything like that on your igniters where people clean those with Brillo pads and, you know, wire brushes. It makes that ignition almost impossible if it arcs to a different point. It's the most common thing I see with uh, gas cooktops. Um, keep the oven cleaned out. Don't use self-cleaning. Uh, self-clean a lot of times will burn up control. Now, on old school machines with no control, all mechanical, you couldn't kill them. But the new machines, when you put that thing on self-clean, as hot as it gets, even though they say it's okay, usually you'll see a control fail pretty quickly after self-cleaning. How about the dishwasher? Uh, dishwasher is something where you can start without even touching the dishwasher. I heard a, a comment the other day that rinsing the dishes is, is ludicrous, that it's not worth doing, that the machine has sensors and you'll throw it off. Not true. I mean, hmm. yes, it does change it, certainly. If it's dirty versus not dirty, the sensors inside the machine will alter that on automatic cycles. But rinse the dishes. The most common thing with the dishwasher is that it gets gummed up and built up with mess that should have never been in there to begin with. Right. It's not commercial. It won't chop up the food. It won't flush it through your drain pipe. If it would, the drain pipe eventually gets clogged up, and you've got a worse scenario than the dishwasher not working. So okay. rinse the dishes off before you start. Make sure you turn your hot water on at the sink until the water is completely hot. Make sure you set that machine on sanitizer or something where it will heat the water as it's running. The hotter the water, the better the wash. And as far as detergent. It's about the same way. Powders tend to stick a little more to the inside walls uh, or into the sump area. Liquids are about the best. And the pods don't do bad in these because most of the time people overload these things with too much soap. So too much excessive soap causes too much suds, which causes the machine not to drain well, not to wash as good as it should. So pods are great for being efficient with keeping the same amount of detergent there every time because the load doesn't change like it does for a washer. It's the same load of, of dishes typically every time you go in. And a service probably every two years is not a bad idea. There are places in there that you can't see that you need to have scrubbed by hand. Take each piece apart. Clear it out. Make sure there's no pistachio shells or, or noodles or <laughs> rubber bands. We see all kinds of things that should never be in there. Well, your counter's above it, right? Yeah, so for sure. You've got your keys and you've got your, your, your other stuff you throw out of your pocket. That stuff, when the kids run by and the dishwasher door is open, it goes straight into the dishwasher. Are there any brands that you prefer over others uh, in terms of inner workings? Like with plumbing, we preach that Delta has all brass inner workings versus plastic inner workings for the, the cheaper fixtures. Is that How does that translate to appliances? So for us, we sell Speed Queen washers and dryers. They, they only do laundry. They're made in America, sold in America. They're the only company I've seen other than some of the commercial brands that actually house or, or keep the same values that they used to have they're trying to build a product that lasts 20 25 years now granted the price is a little more but the warranties exceed anything that you've ever seen on on regular appliances that you buy from Lowe's, Sears, Home Depot. Bean Queen is the best for laundry uh, as far as in refrigeration and uh, washer dryer dishwasher compactor all these other things freezer Whirlpool brands have been about the best honestly they really seem to have stepped up and tried to keep some of those same values they did before 
Mm-hmm. They have uh, price points are good. Warranties on parts. So I come to your house, I put in a Whirlpool part to fix your machine versus coming from uh, for a GE or any other brand. They give a one-year guarantee on their parts from the factory. Everybody else is three months. Now, they used to be three months, but a couple of years ago, they decided they were going to try to give something extra to the customer. And when I saw them do that, I knew they were trying to hold on to their name and keep something where everybody else was. Oh, let's just keep up with the market, right. make a cheap product, sell it for as much as we can. We don't care when it dies. They'll come buy another one. Well, the realist or, or the person who really cares won't. They're going to stop purchasing from that company who can't hold on to the product or hold on to the good values and make a product that lasts a long time. And Whirlpool seems to stand above. Now, Whirlpool is Gen Air, KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Roper, Amana. They're all the same. Wow. Big um, umbrella. So you can go from top to bottom. You know, they're more expensive at Gen Air, but they're cheaper at Roper. But sometimes the internal components are no different. So if you can save 600 bucks on a Roper versus a Whirlpool, grab it. This is the Carolina Contractor Show. You're listening to The Appliance Doctor. That's Brandon Porterfield. And we're going to put this information up on the Facebook page, aren't we, Donnie? Yes, so we're going to have Brandon's tips that he just mentioned about how to lengthen the life of your appliances, what he was talking about for your HVAC unit, and the just now the brands of appliances that he likes when it comes to how to repair or maintain them. And you can get details at thecarolinacontractor.com. Brandon, once again, I want to thank you for coming on the show and sharing your professional insight about appliances and gas and electric and all those things. Yep. Thanks again, Brandon. I'll probably dial you in when we have an appliance-specific question come through, if that's okay. I would appreciate that. There's honestly a lot more to talk about, and these people need to hear it. You know, And I love conversating about these things. It's what I've done for 20 years since I was a kid. And I just love to help people and help them not have to waste their money or waste their time with someone who's just yeah. trying to you rip say, them off. Right. You saved me yeah. thousands of dollars over the years. And when you talk about things that are paying you back in your house, like insulation, I think appliances are right up there in terms of importance. Absolutely. This is the Carolina Contractor Show, and we'll be right back with questions from listeners just like you. So hang on. Everything under your roof is important, so make sure your roof is up to the job. For over 20 years, SureTop Roofing has been covering triangle homes and businesses. SureTop Roofing is certified with all of the major shingle manufacturers, providing a 50-year non-prorated warranty. SureTop Roofing has estimators, project managers, and design consultants on staff, guaranteeing superior service. Visit SureTopRoofing.com. SureTop Roofing has you covered. And my favorite part of the show is now it is questions from listeners just like you. If you have a question for the Carolina Contractor Show, go to the website. The address, very simple, thecarolinacontractor.com. There's a little button that says Ask the Contractor. You click on that, put your name in it, submit your question. Now, it doesn't have to be about your roof, which we've mentioned before. Donnie owns SureTop Roofing, and that's the stuff he knows really well, but he actually knows a lot about your house, maybe not your particular house. Houses in general, because if he knew a lot about your house, it'd be kind of creepy. creepy yeah. yeah. So inside, outside, top, bottom, uh, even landscaping questions, grilling questions, he can answer them. <laughs> Thank you. He's a grill master. So click on that button at thecarolinacontractor.com. Submit your question, and we'll start off with numero uno. We have dirt dauber nest everywhere. How can we get rid of these? Donnie? Yep. The short answer is uh, prevent those. So pre- prevention is the key with dirt daubers. Um, we did a show a while back on WD-40 and all the uses, and, of course, that means water displacement, 40th formula. But um, I went – 
<laughs> I went this before the summer and I sprayed all the areas of my porch, um, the insides of the window jams, just places where dirt dauber nests were last year. And we had to spend hours on the weekends cleaning those off after the weather changed. But um, we did that, and the joke was on me because they just built nests everywhere I did not spray. So um, in terms of what I'm going to do for next year is we're going to basically make a uh, make a mixture. Uh, it's water and oil, so uh, eucalyptus oil, citronella, teak oil, menthol, and just things that you hear about that insects do not like. We're going to spray everything down. Uh, we're going to do the WD-40 in all the corners or the prominent places, but we're going to spray everything down because my understanding is that they will not build those nests. And um, in terms of a twofold approach, uh, my wife is a big bird watcher, so we're going to actually start hanging birdhouses and put bird feeders out there for things like starlings, magpies, blackbirds that eat wasp nests. So prevention is the key. If you got to clean them off, you know, um, uh, if you have a pressure washer, that's just a good, quick, easy way. And sometimes a pressure washer won't even do it. So it takes a little bit of elbow grease. But uh, like I said, prevention, spray all those areas of your house in the spring before the dirt daubers are going to come in and make the nest. All right, let's keep the theme of pest for the Carolina contractor questions. This one is, how can I keep flies and mice out of our trash in the summer? <laughs> well, this is the Critter Control Show here. Um mm-hmm. One thing that I did is I installed weather stripping, uh, basically the stuff that you buy in a roll at the big box store. It has adhesive on one side, and we installed the weather stripping around the edge of the lid, and that makes a nice tight seal. Uh, one thing that I also did is add a weight. So basically we have something that's taped to the top of it. It doesn't look great, but uh, you'd be surprised how strong mice are, and they can get under a really lightweight plastic lid. Uh, they sell a product called Tero, T-E-R-R-O, on Amazon. It's less than 10 bucks. And that actually sticks to the inside of the lid. So if something does get in there, it basically kills it before it's able to lay eggs and just basically make the trash can smell terrible. And the the concoction that I mentioned that works on the wasp or dirt dauber prevention, uh, we use that. And we basically spray the inside of the trash can because that eliminates 50% of the things that would want to crawl in there. So that uh, that strong menthol oil or mint smell uh, mixed with water sprayed on everything it seems to be an effective deterrent. Now, one thing we do that's not wasn't intended to stop uh, pests from getting into mm-hmm. the trash, but when a, we had this tropical storm blow through the other day, right. one thing I do is go to our trash can and our recycling bin, and I take a bungee cord. Yep. Mainly because I don't want it to get knocked over in a storm and then all that stuff get blown mm, around. Good idea. And because we did it years ago, it just we keep the bungee cords there and we just latch them with that and then on trash day when I make my son because it's his job as my son to nice. take the trash out, uh, he unhooks the bungee cords mm-hmm. and brings them back to the driveway and after trash picks them up he goes and gathers them reattaches the bungee cords so yeah, it's, it wasn't planned to give you that answer but that's right. what we do and yeah it's funny how bungee cords serve as about the cheapest insurance for several things uh, when I when I. When I climb up a ladder at the top of the roof, before I get mm-hmm. off of the ladder, I strap the bung- with a bungee cord, I strap the ladder to the gutter. So if I'm up on that roof and something happens, I'm always in line with my ladder and I can slide back. And, of course, my ladder will be fastened to the gutter to potentially save my life. So cheap insurance. There you go. We're the MacGyver Show, too. All right. We got time for another question here. Submit it to the CarolinaContractor.com website. What is the best way to heat and ventilate my garage? Well, all this is unofficial, and I'm probably going to get in trouble with my inspector friends for suggesting a few of these things. But uh, we went into a few houses uh, for friends, people we knew, and and uh, tried a few of these things, and they worked surprisingly well. But the most important thing to know that uh, garages that have problems is usually 
The culprit is the orientation, so the garage is facing southwest, uh, usually getting a lot hotter than, say, something that was in the northeast direction because that low late evening sun just heats the garage up. And if it's an attached garage, of course, that can carry over to the inside of the house, but we won't get into that. I would say insulated garage doors in that situation are pretty darn important. If you don't have insulated garage doors, it's cheap enough to retrofit those. You can Google that, and there's all kind of information online on uh, several ways to skin that cat. But it, it's also pretty cheap just to change the garage doors themselves out to the insulated if you have an older version that is uninsulated. Um, the next thing is uh, normally garage ceilings are really tall. So if the garage ceiling mimic if the garage ceiling's at the same level as your interior space, of course, there's steps out into the garage. Usually you end up with about a 10 or 11 foot ceiling height. Circulating that hot air and figuring out whether it takes multiple fans or not, how to get that, that out of there. You could set the fans on a timer, maybe pick up one of the garage doors about a foot and just figure out a way to create some sort of a wind tunnel that will cycle out that hot air. And just circulated air, period, drops the temperature considerably. And this is the thing I said my inspector buddies might get upset with me over, but um, if you don't have a bonus room above that garage, if you've heard of a whole house fan, that style of fan may be a smaller version that it would take for the whole house, but if you can pull the upper hottest air out of that garage with some sort of whole house fan and just dump it into that uh, attic space above, that's mm -hmm. a really effective option. Um, insulation works both ways, so it keeps heat in or keeps heat out. If you don't have insulation above the garage, of course, that attic space can heat up, and that heat also transfers into the garage from what you get through the garage door area. And the last thing I'll say is that a lot of times the attached garages butt right up to the crawl space. So at the bottom of the garage, if you were able to tap through that wall, you would actually tap into the crawl space, which has uh, much cooler air. If there were a way to pull cooler air out of that crawl space and maybe circulate it out of that whole house fan, uh, that's the part that would get me in trouble with the inspectors because uh, usually humidity is an issue in the crawl space. But if all that checks out okay and there's a way to pull that cool air out of the crawl space into the garage, I see that as being an effective means. All right. If you have a question for Donnie, go to the website, thecarolinacontractor.com, and click on the Ask the Contractor button. We also want to thank Brandon Porterfield for coming in, also known as the Appliance Doctor. Donnie's going to put a lot of the information that Brandon had talked about on today's show up on the Facebook site. Now, if you have a question about your roof, you need to contact SureTop Roofing. Go to the website, SureTopRoofing.com, and they have free estimates. Now, if you've looked at your roof and you go, well, I think it's okay, but when you pass a decade of your roof's age, you need to have someone look at it just to make sure because every time a storm goes through, especially when it's hail, you're going to have damage to your roof, to your shingles. So let Donnie and his team come out, take a look at your roof and see if you need any work done or maybe even a replacement. But the best thing Donnie can say about your roof is what? Your roof looks great. Call me next year. And we'll see you next week on the Carolina Contractor Show. Thanks for listening to the Carolina Contractor Show, presented by SureTop Roofing. Learn more and submit your questions at thecarolinacontractor.com. Everything under your roof is important, so make sure your roof is up to the job. For over 20 years, SureTop Roofing has been covering triangle homes and businesses. SureTop Roofing is certified with all of the major shingle manufacturers, providing a 50-year non-prorated warranty. SureTop Roofing has estimators, project managers, and design consultants on staff, guaranteeing superior service. Visit SureTopRoofing.com. SureTop Roofing has you covered.